It is good to see everybody here at church this bright sunny Sunday morning and sunny morning. How many people are having a wonderful day so far? Amen. So am I. You know, this was a, a great week. Uh, there, there's something about, you know, deciding that it's going to be a great week before the week starts. And, and I've already decided this is going to be a great Sunday. We are uh, just as the summer goes, and, and sometimes they call them the dog days of summer. I want to invite you to connect with other people in the church. Now, typically, we have what's called Christian education, and at this time in our church, we do it in the mornings on Sunday. That is going to come in September. We have some great things planned in the month of September, but what we have planned in the month of July and August is connections at restaurants. Now we've called this, uh, I, I think we've called it restaurant roulette. Uh, we've called it uh, restaurant bingo. I, I don't know what you call it, but what we do is have people sign up if you're interested in going. And what we do is the last Friday night, I'm sorry, let me say that again. Scratch that. The last Sunday night, the last Sunday night of the month of July, and the last Sunday night of the month of August, what we're going to do is we're going to meet here at a given time. We're going to pick out of the hat different names, different families, different people. And then we're going, that group is going to go to a restaurant to eat together. How many people have ever done that before? And it is amazing that no matter... How many times we do this? Pretty much, Richard and Donna Moore will always be with the Millers. I don't know how. I don't. I don't know how they always. We always get the winning ticket, but we're with them. And so, what's fun is you will not. Sometimes, some of you that sit over here will just say hi to the people that sit over here, and vice versa. But it's fun to go out to eat and kind of get to know somebody in a different way. And there's like maybe four or five different couples. Maybe not. Five, but about four couples that'll get together. So we'll have like three or four restaurants throughout the uh, area, and, and some of the most funniest things happen during those times that we're together. Uh, we were with the Mayos in a group last year, and I can see Heather; she's already laughing because I I drank a glass of water. I'm not going to tell you the place that I was drinking and what restaurant we were at, but I, I got a earring backing, the little backing in my water, and somehow it ended up in my mouth. Now again, I, I was kind of, oh no, oh no. But when Heather said, what if it was a piercing back in me? It went to a whole nother level, if you know what I mean. So we can't promise that there will be anything in your food or water or anything like that. Not that we want to. But we want to encourage you to do that with us because I know it's kind of stretching a little bit more than uh, the comfort zone. And it's so much easier just to go, you know what, I'm going to sit that one out. I don't know many people and I'm just going to stay at home. But if you if you push yourself a little bit, great results will happen. You'll, you'll get to know somebody in a different way. And, and that's where the church family becomes a family when you choose to go outside of your comfort zone. Uh, Let's go ahead and get into this because I'm pretty excited. You realize that the enemy comes and he really wants to seek to steal, kill, and destroy. And when you have ever been in that place that you felt like, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a, 
I'm in a dungeon. It feels like He has got me. There's one thing that He tries to steal from you. And that is your hope that things could be different. And then what happens is your joy level goes lower and lower. You know that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So this morning we're going to talk again as we've got into this message from here to there. As we started last week. And, and, and just get into some of the attacks that come against us as we're on the walk, the long walk that God has given us. Now, before I pray, I want to remind you of this illustration. I told you a few weeks ago about an illustration about a, a missionary that received a shell from the man that he was going to begin ministering some in, in an island. And he received a gift and he put it on the table as kind of no big deal. Until somebody else came and told him the value of that shell. The, the natives of that island, to, in order to get one of those shells, had to go on a long walk through perilous situations to be able to get one of these shells and then to bring it back. The missionary was kind of amazed at thinking about how much value that he didn't know and he didn't share the appreciation to the man that gave him the gift. When he said to the man later, when he met up with him, he said, I am so thankful that you gave me that. I didn't know that it would take such a long, hard walk to get something of that, of that value, the, the shell. The man that was the giver said this. He said, people that live on this island know that when you get one of these shells, the long walk goes with it. This morning, there are people here that realize that the gift that we have been given to us by our God is the gift of eternal life. That the day that we receive Him into our life and make Him Lord and Savior, some of us, maybe we're told something that's not true. You'll never have another problem in your life. See, that's not true. And, and I hope that you realize that part of the gift is the long walk of seeing how God brings us through circumstances. When somebody says this and it offends us or, 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 or we get over it when, when we understand the Word of God working in and through our lives and, and when we go through relationship problems and financial problems, and, but God brings, them, brings us through them all. That, that's part of the gift of being connected into the body, into the family of God, knowing the Word of God and how He, how he works in us. So this morning, a lot of this sermon will depend, as it does every Sunday, on how you receive it. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak into your life and customize this message where you are in your life at this time. Let's pray. Father, today Your Word never comes back void. It, it, it is the incorruptible seed. It, it always, always, always works. And Father, today we, we pray though that our hearts, that God, that we are fertile soil to be planted in. We don't have a hard heart. We don't have a heart that's full of rocks. You know, hard place that the, that the Word of God, the seed, would not bear fruit. God, we, we've come against all the enemy's tactics of distractions and, and uh, mind games and 
all that, that God, that today that we'd be able to hear your voice, your Holy Spirit speak to us and bring correction and direction on our walk. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. This morning's title or, or the subject that we're going to be talking about is bitterness. You say, well, hallelujah. We're going to be talking about bitterness and then towards the middle of the message, I'm going to tell you about something that causes bitterness and that is self-condemnation. On the long walk that we get to go on and, and as we are enjoying our life, and as this kind of grid is set up here this morning to kind of give an illustration of the kind of keeping us on the highway, if we're in the Word of God, of how the enemy will bring things to really throw us off. Here's another way of saying it. We know that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And if you don't know that, that's in the Bible. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. But here's what happens is a lot of times we can separate ourselves from the love of God because of what is going on inside of us. Now watch this. Years ago, I played football. And I know that you can you can tell that, you know, and just, just letting you know. And Did anybody get the tickets to the gun show? Anyway, anyway. Years ago, I played football, and I remember Friday night, the band is playing, and the play comes around to my side, and oh, I'm big and in charge, and I'm going to make the tackle. And I slipped, and I put my hand down, and one of my own players fell on my elbow and totally dislocated it. You know, I was taken to the hospital, and you know, that whole arm was there. It, it was still part of me, but it was dislocated, leaving that arm not being able to fulfill its purpose. Are you with me? The illustration what I'm talking about this morning is when we are in the will of God and we're walking in love, which is the key thing. Well, Pastor, I don't know all the scriptures in the Bible. I don't know all the passages. Do you know that the Bible says that the key thing is to love God and love your neighbor as yourself? To walk in love. But the enemy comes and one of his tactics is to get us dislocated so that our purpose becomes unfulfilled. This morning we're going to be talking about how bitterness does that. Now, I'm going to tell you something that I want you to remember. The gift is free, but spiritual maturity is expensive. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you the ability to make the choice that you're going to go further with God. Now, now, let me tell you that the payoff is huge because Jesus said that I've come to give you life to the full, to the abundant, to even the overflow. And so many people just experience life. They don't even experience in the full, let alone the overflow. Because they don't want to take and pay the price to say, God, I need to be in your word. What you'll hear today is some information from the word of God. And when you get information from the Word of God and you leave, don't fool yourself that you're spiritually mature. You have to process what you hear and put it into action. And then as that testing time comes, 
and you prove faithful, you begin to mature. In other words, you can come to this church or any church 10 years and you go, you know, I'm pretty spiritually mature. I'm 10 years in the Lord. But the truth of the matter is, if you haven't processed what you have learned, you still might only be in the Lord or as far as maturing, only one year. Here's what's exciting, is to realize that the attitude of those that live from victory for what Jesus did on the cross, in facing their obstacles, look at it a whole different perspective. Let me say it in a different way. The benefit and the privilege of you being a believer and accepting Jesus Christ into your life, you're living from victory. You're not working to victory. See, a lot of times when you hear a pastor say that we need to spiritually mature, you're thinking, well, I'm not all this and I've got to really, I'm not very good. See, you're working to victory. The, the de- declaration that I want you to hear today is the victory's already been won in our life. We are working from victory. L- let me say it this way. Have you ever seen a movie with a, it's kind of an adventure movie. Come on now, be with me. An adventure movie, and, and at the, you know, the, the bad guy is there and he's beating up the little guy, and all of a sudden a twist happens and something happens. Either a, a, a big guy, you know, a hero comes on the scene, and, and all of a sudden the bad guy, the situation is turned 180 degrees, and he gets what he's been dishing out. If you've ever watched anything like that, I mean, it might be a you know, whatever. Schwarzenegger. No, Schwarzenegger. It, it might be a Clint Eastwood movie. It might be another. There's hero. Now, if you ever watched it twice, a John Wayne movie, whatever, you know, and, and you watch it twice, do you sit there on the edge of your seat going, I think it's going to be a different outcome this time? You kind of, you're not so fired up at the end because you know what's going to happen. That's what we as believers need to begin to focus on, that the enemy wants us to believe that there's going to be a different outcome than what has already been settled by Jesus on the cross. Cross. Amen. Now watch this. A lot of times, what we're going to talk about this morning, let me say this. A lot of times as a Christian chooses not to mature spiritually, One of the things that the enemy comes to get us dislocated, so to speak, is bitterness. Now now listen, if you're here and, and, and maybe you'd say, you know what, I've kind of walked in bitterness before. And I don't know the circumstances, I don't know the situation. But watch this, a lot of times Christians know just enough about the Bible to be dangerous. So, so what they do is, if you're not careful, you, you'll begin to justify the sin of bitterness in your life by giving it spiritual terms, like discernment. I've got discernment. That's kind of a prophetical thing. I know what's coming in. I know why that I'm in bitterness, and it's okay. And some people will even call, well, you know, I'm bitter because you don't know what's happened to me, and you don't know who did it, and you would be too. And they call it wisdom. 
What I found out is they attract people with complaints because it, it confirms almost what they're saying is discernment. Now watch this. I'm going to read James chapter 3 because James chapter 3 talks about this very thing of you and I when we get bitter at someone that it's wisdom. The Bible says it's wisdom. But it's not the right kind of wisdom. Let me tell you what bitterness is and then we'll read that. Bitterness is anger and disappointment at being treated unfairly. Resentment De develops in a person's life. Matter of fact, the second definition of bitterness is not actually what we're talking about today, but I thought it was funny. It's a strong, pungent taste, like a bitter herb. Have you ever seen someone bitter? I mean, really bitter? They almost look like they've tasted something bitter. How many people were here a few Easter's ago when we did the Passover, the Seder? Anybody? And during the Seder, that we had to take a taste of the bitter herb. And we're all set up like a tables and stuff. And, and all of us thought of a dip, bitter herb, almost like picante sauce. So we scooped her up, man. It was horseradish. I was sitting right here. And I, this is my second time, and I got just a little bit. And I'm watching everybody out here, and they go, I mean, you could see the electricity running through the, the whole crowd. I gotta, I gotta admit, I was, I was amused. It was funny. Bitterness, though, is is that pungent taste. It is anger and disappointment at being treated unfairly. Come on, now, anybody been treated unfairly here today? You want to say, well, I got every reason to be better. Well, here's what bitterness is. The Word of God says this. Look at this. In verse 13 of chapter 3, it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it. In other words, let's see it. By their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor, harbor, harbor bitter and envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom. Did, did everybody hear that he's calling it wisdom? Bitterness? Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, we're going to be talking about jealousy next week, envy and selfish ambition, there you'll find disorder and every evil practice. He goes on to say, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Now, now watch this. I, I want to give you an illustration. It says this, but if you harbor bitter envy and self-ambition in your hearts, all right, we have pulled out all the stops of the budget and we've got a guy that walks around with a sign. All right. Now, have you ever seen at a boxing ring those ladies that carry the sign? No, this is our guy. 
if you harbor, here, here, could, could I please let you just dock a little bitterness on me? Go ahead, thank you. Let's give him a hand. Vanna Miller, all right. You know, it's kind of like bitterness is out there like on the open seas, you know, as a, a boat looking for somewhere to harbor. And you go, you know what? Just let me, let me I, I just want to hold, you know, just, just dock the boat right here on me. Now, now this morning, when, when you read that, what do you do with that? If, if you read that passage, you know there's observations. If you're maturing spiritually, you are growing in something. It's kind of like the little kid that they put a marker above his head when he's growing up, you know, and puts a little line there, and the next day, you know, year he grows, and you put a little line there, and you can see growth. When you are maturing spiritually, you are growing in wisdom, godly wisdom, not in unspiritual wisdom like bitterness. But you're growing in your walk of love. And you're showing it in practical ways. You know, last week we talked about the passage of Scripture that says, if you say that you can love your God that you cannot see, but you don't love the guy that you can see, that don't work. Because what the Bible is saying and what the Word of God says in your life and mine is if you're going to see something and believe something as a spiritual breakthrough in your life and you're believing by faith that it's going to manifest in the physical realm that you're seeing, it has to be manifest. It has to be seen. There has to be a practical expression of what you're believing for and you're walking in. Let me explain it this way. I heard a counselor that was counseling a husband and a wife. He had messed up years ago in their life, about 10 years. And they were still fighting. That was a lot of sons going down, you know, on the wrath that they didn't, they weren't able to work through that. So they came to this counselor, and the counselor said to the husband, Have you repented? And the husband said, Yes, I did. And the wife said, Yes, yes, he did. The counselor said, Do you have a list of ways that you are walking that out? And he said, No. And she said, I don't either. He said, that's okay. Next time we meet, I want you to bring practical things that you're doing to show what you're doing as a repentance. In other words, the fruit of your repentance. So, okay. So some time went by and the next appointment came in and they came into his office and he said, do you have any signs of it to the, the wife? And she said, no, I don't. He looked at the husband and said, do you have anything that you're doing? And he said, yeah. And he, he started listening, listing the things that he was doing. And the wife, he said, the counselor looked at her and he said, man, she, her eyes, what? She was realizing that not only had he repented, but actually he had been walking it out. But watch this. Bitterness had blinded her from the fact that she couldn't get over it. So the problem that he started, she was continuing. Bitterness is the silent disease of God's children. 
See, when you become anger, it's short madness. Someone cuts you off in traffic. Somebody, you know, sits in your seat, whatever, you know, and you're, oh, you're that emotion that comes in. But there's a difference. Bitterness is anger that is boiled, simmered, and then tasted so unpalatable that it is put back and put into the freezer for a later time. And then every time that we think that we've accomplished putting anger management away, hmm, something comes up and, and we bring that back out and we go, oh, oh, bitterness. Again, harboring feelings of bitterness, is it, it has been proven that it is even linked to some diseases. Now, I, I think that maybe our forefathers would have went, nah, but I think that we're all to the place now that we realize that things that happen into our choice and in our emotions can carry out actually into our physical being. If you've ever been bitter in your life and have not overcome it, what happens is it's not long until you become depressed and all those things begin to... And that's why the Bible says don't let the root of bitterness begin to pop up into your life. It's Something, you know, everybody wants to put a, a, you know, PDD, you know, this kind of abbreviation. Now they've said that they put a PTED, post-traumatic embitterment disorder. Bitterness. So this morning, just in the next part of this message, I want to pop through these points. But part of bitterness comes from living in self-condemnation. Now this morning you might be here and you go, well, I'm good. Emotions are such a big part of us. We know that the transformation process that happens in our life when the Word of God becomes alive and active in our lives, we know that it changes our thinking, then it changes our emotions, that we aren't emotionally driven anymore. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have emotions. That's Buddhist. But as we understand that the enemy to get us dislocated out of our purpose, all he has to do is get us in an emotion that guides us out of getting from here to there. Now, now think with me. Because this morning you might be in a place where you don't feel like you have a lot of hope but you don't really realize what's going on inside of you. And this could be a place that gives the devil a stronghold. Let, let me say it again. I've said it many times, but a stronghold was a, a kind of a reference back to the Middle Ages when the kings would develop brick by brick a castle that was considered a stronghold. So in the middle of a war, that the, the troops could go back to the castle and have rest and, and kind of revive themselves in the middle of battle because it was such a stronghold that the enemy had a tough time ever overcoming. So that's where they could kind of the, the, the reverting back, the Alamo of a stronghold. Every time that we get to a place that an emotion that's out of the will of God begins to control our lives, we put a stone there now, if we do it and we say, God, you know, I see this, that's, that's part of spiritual maturity, that we say, this isn't going to develop in my life as a stronghold. But it's so easy to allow our flesh, our emotions, to begin to build these things 
these bitterness, these self-condemnation, these strongholds that the enemy can hide behind in our life. That's why we sing songs about pulling down strongholds. We're not going to give a place that the enemy can come into our life and, and really overcome us. So let me give you, when we talk about our emotions, the, the best way that I can kind of in my life see it is a gauge on the dashboard of our vehicles. If our oil pressure goes down, we'll get a flashing light. In my vehicle, if I've got anything going wrong, let me tell you, it's got a warning light. The door's open, uh, the light's on. I mean, anything, it'll show me on the gauges of my dashboard. That's your emotional light. When something goes off in your emotions, that's a gauge. So this morning, I want to give you four warning lights that something just is not right going on in your life. And what we're going to be talking about is self-condemnation. Condemnation includes feelings. Remember what Lisa was singing about today? The, the, the feelings that I just don't feel. God, I know you can do anything. There are feelings of guilt, shame, regret, fear, unworthiness. And usually they stem from past mistakes that we've had in our life. Now here's what I want you to remember. When I talk about this this morning, it could have happened 10 years ago or it could have happened 10 minutes ago. Let me tell you, self-condemnation is not of God. How do I know that? Because it's not my opinion. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says that there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Psalms 34 said that the Lord redeems the life of His servants and no one takes refuge in Him will be condemned. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 1 John says. Listen to this. Isaiah 43 says, He blots out our sins and does not think of them. Psalms 103 says, He does not punish us for our sins or deal with us harshly as we deserve. Pastor, what is it that when I when I when I'm just by myself, and a lot of times it happens when we're in a in a kind of a still time, a quiet time. Maybe it's in the middle of the night. Maybe it's before you go to bed. Maybe it's first thing in the morning. And and there's this feeling that comes over you. Now, now there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. The, the the Holy Spirit is in our life to convict us to say, you know, that's not the way to go. Go over here. And, and do you know that another believer can do the same thing? One reason why we come together and we're a family that believes together and we, we, we what, eat together, we go to restaurants together, whatever we do, we do it together and we walk in love is because when one of us that we know, and, and you can't get this if you don't know people in a close way, but if you have a friend and they're getting off track, again, there's a, there's a place to come around them in love and say, hey, I think you need to watch what you're doing here. In, in the society that we work in and, and live in right now, we, we don't want to give our personal information to anybody. We don't want to get close to anybody because we don't want anybody speaking into our life. That's dangerous. 
this morning, I'm talking though about self-condemnation that comes from the enemy that comes into our life that says, you'll never be that again. You have messed up and you have no hope in tomorrow. And see, there's a lot of people that are here this morning that have felt that if you're not feeling it right now. Unworthiness, being afraid, guilty. The enemy will invade our thoughts to keep us from accomplishing our purpose. Now, again, if we understand that the enemy is trying to cheat us out of the abundant life, all of a sudden this makes sense. When we get to walking in love, we say, oh no, bitterness comes and says, can I dock at your shore? Huh? I just want to kind of pull up and let you kind of hold on to me and cuddle me and just love on me. And we go, no, I'm not going to do that. It's a stupid illustration, but you won't forget it too quickly. The pastor hugging on a piece of board. So let me give you four warning signs. If you're taking notes, the first one is you begin thinking about the past a lot. Now come on, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your life. You begin to think about the past a lot. See, Paul says the one thing I do is forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Straining. I'm forgetting what's behind. Why? Because that isn't going to be my future. A lot of people know it by, I wish I wouldn't have done that, or I wish I would have done this. Can I remind you again, Jesus took on that condemnation. Now, now again, if, if you're like a lot of people that I've talked to, that they begin to replay those choices in their mind and they begin spinning around on the merry-go-round of condemnation. You know, they, they kind of feel a little bit better and then they get down and then they come up. And, and I think that what, what I've taken out of this is a lot of times that when we commit something that is wrong and we know that it's wrong, that there's an, a lie that comes into our mind that says there has to be a certain amount of time that lapses before we can be forgiven. And really what I think it is, is we begin to think about the past and we go, you know what? Because I made that choice just yesterday or the day before or maybe a minute ago, I, I just keep thinking about that mistake over and over and over. And I hope they have this confession. But this is what you need to say. No, I don't live in the past. Jesus has made all things new and given me a prosperous, guilt-free future. I'm living fully in the present and I look forward to what God is doing in my life right now. Take out your phones. Take a picture of that. Go ahead, I'll give you a few seconds. And what I want you to do is when you... Feel that from the enemy trying to dislocate you from your purpose and go, you know, I just, I just don't feel like I'm, I, I got to keep looking in the past. No, God has given me a bright future. Put it this way, when the enemy calls with that information, don't answer. And, and the next time you answer by mistake, you know, you say, could you put me on your no call list from now on? 
Has, has anybody got a spam call? Anybody beside me? Hey, I just want to let you know that you can have your student bill paid off. Really? Because I don't have a student bill. But legally, you can say to that person, please put me on your do not call list. And if they call back, it's a fine. Now again, we don't remember Jim from, you know, whatever company. But anyway, the point is that when the enemy calls that you're saying, no, no, I'm not receiving that. I'm not going to let that condemnation become part of me. Warning sign number two. You can't seem to forgive yourself. This is huge. You can't seem to forgive yourself. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. See, see the, the, the feelings of rejection or fear of failure or insecurity, depression, are all linked to condemnation which condemnation will lead to bitterness. To actually get the revelation that God loves you so much that He's forgiving you is a whole nother glory. It, it begins to play in your mind. I'm a new creation. Now, now listen, because you're a new creation today and tomorrow you make a mistake does not mean you, oh, you were new. Now you're a piece of junk that ought to be embarrassed and shamed. Can you walk in forgiving yourself? Here's what happens. Understand that the day that you miss the mark, everybody with me on this? When the day that you miss the mark, first confess it, repent it, don't hide it. And what I mean is don't hide it. Saying, it's okay, it's okay, I can do that, I can do it. No, you say, I know that that was wrong. God, I confess it. Receive forgiveness again from God. That says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and justice and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. But here's the hardest step. Step number three is forgive yourself. Holding on to the guilt and shame. Shame is refusing to forgive yourself. Ask yourself this. This morning you might be here and you might be saying, you know, Pastor, I don't know why I'm in bitterness or even I don't know why I keep blaming myself and can't forgive myself. It might be time for you just to get alone with God and ask, why is that? Let Him reveal what maybe you have put in away so tight down in the back of the past that you maybe don't even see. Maybe it's a a former relationship that it did you wrong. Maybe it's a, a mistake that you did that you can't do anything about. And then ask yourself, what is, what is it that I'm gaining of holding on to that self-condemnation that I won't forgive myself? When I talk to somebody that's walking in unforgiveness of themselves, more than not, it is a person that is self-focused and not God-focused. And what we know is whatever gets our attention, 
will get our focus. And our focus our, then will get our direction. And so what happens is somebody that will not forgive themselves is a lot of times looking at themselves. And they're not looking at God. So, so remember that. The warning sign number three is this. You have a judgmental and critical spirit. Where's the organ when I need it? Somebody here is saying, well, I'm just discerning. Oh, okay. The Bible says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. How many people after hearing that wants to be people of mercy and grace? A critical spirit is somebody that looks for the flaws and failings in others and forms a verdict or an opinion about them. It makes you feel a little bit superior. Well, at least my sins aren't as bad as that guy's. A lot of times when I find a person that has a judgmental or critical spirit is because they feel they're being judged by either God or people themselves. And those condemning thoughts are replaying over and over in their mind. Now let me give you number four. You just feel, number four is, you begin to feel unworthy. Remember Romans chapter 5 that says, but God demonstrated His own love for us in this. Why we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When you and I were no good. That's when Christ died for us in order that we could be saved. Pretty cool. Here's what happens when you don't feel worthy or you feel unworthy. There's a lot of people that seem that they have to continue to prove themselves. Are you one of those people? That maybe you have to prove yourself, you feel like, on the job or maybe at home with people or maybe your friends, you're continually trying to, you know, I've got to prove myself with a bigger salary or more friends on Facebook or whatever. I just got to get... And they always feel unworthy. They can't believe that God loves them. I love this quote. Believing takes place in our heart, not our head. The hope is that you and I will realize in this sermon that we are called to please God, not man. This morning, when we are on the long walk that God has given us of eternal life and that we know that we have a purpose and that is to walk in love, that's where everything starts. And we're getting from here to there and we're on the walk and all of a sudden bitterness is, hey, I'm pretty sweet. Why don't you get off track just for a while? Because you, you have every reason to be. You have every Nobody would blame you for being a little bitter, being self-condemnating, you know, to yourself. 
this morning, the hope is that you would say, no, not going to do it. I'm going to walk the walk of love, even though it's not going to be easy. I don't know about you, but I call it what we've been trained in the Word of God is almost what I was trained in a godly home. And my mother was always telling me things that didn't go against or went against my flesh. Mom, I tell you what, that teacher did me wrong. What did you do? This person at school said this bad thing. Did you say anything bad back? When we understand our value, when we go to bed at night, that we realize, listen, that we realize that God has chosen us to be on His team that's going to change the world. Or when we wake up in the morning that we say to God, what is impossible today that you choose for me to change? You have value. Don't allow the enemy to dislocate you from your purpose with bitterness and self-condemnation coming in your life. Let's pray together. Father, you are such a good father. And through your word, you have taught us today that you haven't based your relationship on our worthiness. But God, you chose us. You have adopted us into your family. Father, we're so thankful for that. The God that you've given us purpose, that you've given us hope and a good future. Thank God that you have given us a fail-proof system to have not only a good life, but God, a life that is abundant, even to overflowing. And we thank you for that, God. This morning, church, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I, I just need a breakthrough in the area of self-condemnation in my life. I, I, want, I want you to pray with me of pulling down those strongholds that the enemy is hiding behind that I, I, I might have even built up. This morning, I want to agree with you in prayer for a breakthrough. Would you just raise your hand, slip them up, slip them down? Thank you. Anybody else? Just quick. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you for being honest. Yes. Anybody else? Thank you. Today's a new day. New beginning. Father, today as we come to the end of this message, the God, I agree with my brothers and sisters that are here in our family. The God, those that are going through self-condemnation because of past mistake, that God, that we would be able to leave those in the past and God, we would press on to a glorious future. God, we thank you for all that you're doing in our lives and through our lives as individuals. And Father, today, God, thank you for this church. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Pastor Keith.